Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut, and I'm an ASC cinematographer. And my wife and I have created this incredible resource called the Filmmakers Academy. And we'd love for you to download and rate our app. If you're a filmmaker, do yourself a favor and download the Filmmakers Academy app today. It's available wherever you get your apps, most notably the App Store, Google Play, Amazon App Store, and the Roku Channel Store. The app includes everything on the platform for all access members and from content to community and coaching opportunities, everything you need to master your craft. So download the app. And this is the most important part. Be sure to rate it. Rating us really helps us spread the word and enhance our rankings in this dedicated app store. So if you love what we're doing, this is a way to show it. Together, let's take your career as a filmmaker to the next level. Welcome to Shane's Inner Circle Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Lydia. Hello, Inner Circle members, and welcome to the October 2015 podcast. I have a great selection of questions today. I am in New York shooting a commercial for the live production of The Wiz. I'm in my hotel room right before I have to go to set, blasting this podcast out for all of you. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, don't forget to submit your podcast questions so we can continue to deliver the podcast every month. Uh, we need more questions out there so we can continue this uh, amazing process and, and answering all your questions to my best ability. This is a very unique bit of questions at the head of this podcast that I have not been asked in a long time. And I wanted to start right with those. We're not going into camera. We're not going into lenses. We're not going into any of that stuff right off the bat. We're going to go into what I call industry attitudes and here's our first selection. Sensei Shane. I love that. I'm looking for some wisdom on how to be a better leader on sets, especially as a DP. What are some of the things you like to do to rally the troops? Sometimes I run into older crew who perceive that I'm very inexperienced because I look younger than I am. This tends to affect their productivity and or quality. In that situation, what would you suggest to help build trust and confidence with that kind of crew members. It's not about me being liked, but delivering work with excellence. All right, I'm going to tell you a really good story. When I was coming up the ladder, I had this same exact perception of me. As I was very young, I really hopscotched in the whole technical side. I was a grip truck driver and I skipped from a grip truck driver to a key grip and then I jumped from a key grip to a gaffer. And by the time I got to be a gaffer in 89, I graduated college in 86, so 22, so I was 26 years old as a gaffer. And imagine hiring all these people around me that were 40, 50, and 60 years old sometimes. What I did is I grew a mustache and this mustache was my way to disguise my age. Now, most people look at my pictures and say that did nothing for me. 
<laughs> but it was something that I did to say, hey, you know, by the way, I'm not like this peach fuzzy young dude. I have uh, some hair on my face and I'm here to kick some ass. It only went so far and you had to really gain that respect from your peers and from your employees. And I found the quickest way to do that was to show them how good you were. And that started to gain immediate respect. You come in with new ideas that might be very unconventional or they might not have done before. I'm here in New York working with a gaffer that I've worked with for, oh my God, I'd say 10, 15 years. And, you know, we see each other sporadically every time I come to New York, and it's probably three times a year, and a lot of times he isn't available. He said that this was, once again, every time he works with me, it just inspires him to be better. He's like, so how are you lighting the green screen? I'm like, two Cineos. He's like, what? The thing is 40 by 40. I'm like, yeah, don't worry about it. We put these green panels in there. He goes, what green panels? I said, yeah, there's these green panels. You put them in front of the Cineos and bam. And sure enough, two spaced nine feet away from the green screen, 15 feet in on one side, 15 feet on the other, and bam, this thing illuminated the green screen. I had it at 30%. And at uh, 640, ISO, I had a two eight and a half. Absolutely perfect. And then I was using all these PARs that he had never used and, and Lico's that were LED that I could change any color and do any pattern. And he and I are about the same age, but the idea is the same of you coming in and really having yourself buttoned up. You have yourself very organized and you have a really clear plan. And that's what they're looking for. Because a lot of times you find people are in this business and they might be very jaded and and they don't want to do things two and three and four times. Now, what's funny is on this job, we did things two, three, four, five, six, eight times. So you could start to see the level of the New Yorker attitude start to build very quickly because it's not so much our director was not telling me what he wanted. It was I had a lighting list that I had submitted and they kept on trimming and trimming and trimming and cutting to the point where I was like, I basically just gave up and said, okay, this is the lowest that we could do. And obviously when we got there, it was so low that it was very difficult to light the set. So we had to be constantly trying to do it in different ways. And we had to order most of the gear that I had cut back. This is the process in this movie industry. It's crazy as heck. We eventually get to exactly what I had submitted. It just took us a day and a half and a lot of pain and a lot of struggling to get there. But let me get back to your question. So being buttoned up, being organized, being very much a leader in regards to respecting who they are as well, even though they're older and they haven't made the ascension to say, I'm going to be a director of photography or I'm going to rise to that occasion. A lot of people, they love just doing that job and they don't want all the responsibilities and the stress that happens when you become a director of photography. The amount of stress that is put on us as individuals individuals is pretty remarkable. Just like we'll keep on pulling from this example because so many things went wrong and so many things went right on this job. The assistant director came up to me and we had all these actors, David Allen 
Greer, who is a very famous actor who's on stage. And we had to do this close-up of the lion. He's in this huge outfit and prosthetics that go onto his face that take four hours to put on there. And he's holding a Samsung tablet. This was the shot that the client absolutely wanted. Well, David Allen Greer is walking out the door at 6 p.m. because that's what his deal is. And it's 5.52 and we have to get the over the shoulder. Obviously, the director wants it in two different lights so he can use it on the other spot and all these things. And then the AD comes up to me and he says, just so you know, he's walking out the door at 6. If we don't get this, the client's not going to pay your one of your best friends whose production company I'm working for and they've flown me out from Los Angeles to be able to do this spot, they're not going to get paid. And it was like, okay, just add some more stress to that pile that's uh, already lingering all over me. I got to add risers to Dolly to get over his shoulder. And you see the grips just sitting there screwing the, the riser on one turn at uh, time and the AD looks at me and he just like rolls his eyes and I'm like, it's okay, you know, and then, okay, roll this baby over here. And Pierre, my operator gets on there and I go full stick on that thing. And he goes over his shoulder and the light quality wasn't really good. And, and David Allen Greer walks in and he's ready to go. And it was just too flat. And I'm like, all right, kill that overhead. And then the director's like, I love the reflection of the lion in the Samsung. And I'm like, Jesus, this reflection's not power enough. I, I'm like, like fire up those park hands on the sides and I'm running around and I'm tilting them up because they were tilted down at other objects and the gaffer's trying to follow me and beat me to the thing and I'm tilting everything around and I'm like roll and it's like 558 and sure enough we get three takes of him doing these different lines and expressions and he was out the door by six that's happened the thing is having a fun atmosphere around is something that's very important like I joke a lot and I joke in very sarcastic ways, constant banter on set, ripping each other uh, apart. And somebody does something like a mistake, like he trips or something, you know, you just keep on throwing him under the bus all day. You keep it light. I kind of do this as kind of a stress reliever as a DP, because if I just honker down and I'm very quiet, I just feel like I'm going to explode and I need to just let off this kind of humor that we just kind of banter back and forth with my crew and try to keep it as light as possible. The other thing is, remembering every one of their names is going around and introducing yourself to who your crew is and knowing their names and trying to address them as their names every single time. Before we rolled on the setup, our first setup, I walked out into the middle of the stage and I said, I just want everyone to hear that this grip electric and camera team has pulled together against all odds with uh, equipment debacles and everything that's gone down. And we have gotten this thing, and I'm just telling you, this image looks absolutely amazing, and I cannot thank all of you enough for what you have done. Thank you. Everyone's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So, like, little things like that are very important to really unite the team. Then they're all of a sudden saying, wow, this young guy, man, he really understands, he understands what's going on here. And then all of a sudden, they're like, okay, and respect them as well. You know, these guys have been in the industry for a long time. They're going to have some really good ideas as well and uh, shouldn't be your way 
or the highway. It should be the kind of thing of you looking at them, seeing what their ideas are and respect that and and try it. You know, sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. I mean, I was sitting in this production meeting on this latest movie that I'm doing and the key grips sitting right next to me. And and he goes, hey, you know, that shot that he was going to come back going through the house. Wouldn't it be great if he went through the front door and and saw all the furniture back in and he just threw it away. And I took that and I go, you know, Bob's got a great idea. And then I address the director, Mick G. Imagine if our Cole character walks through the front door and he's seen the house with no furniture in it, all pushed off to the side and all disorganized and everything. When he comes back in, the whole home, all the bodies that were laying around are all gone. All the blood that was flying around is all cleaned up and all the furniture is perfectly back exactly where it was before this whole night even started. And he goes, that is a great idea. That is what we're doing. And I go, well, Bob, it was his idea. And I'm telling you, it's brilliant. And everyone's like, ah, great idea, Bob. This is leadership. This is taking somebody and not just taking their idea, but actually giving them credit for it. I constantly am giving my team kudos for awesome ideas. We did this really extreme close-up yesterday and they were moving all over the place and cut. And I'm like, Joe, that was amazing focus. And he's like, hey, thanks. And then the dimmer op designs this really cool effect with all these blinking lights and everything that looks just like a television. And after that take, I go to Eugene, I go, that was amazing. Thank you. And I say it loud enough so everyone is able to hear it. Because if you just go to them, you don't get the reverberation of your leadership qualities and giving people a great pat on the back. This is all about the leadership building. This is about setting you apart from the pack. And this is something that you just got to take the time to do it. The other thing that I do is I thank them all at lunch. Like I walk around and I'm like, God, great morning. This was amazing. God, this so it's cool and da 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 and all this kind of stuff. I find them either in the lunch line or while they're sitting down or right when they call lunch. I try to scurry around and thank everyone. And then obviously at the end of the night, I'm looking them into their eyes and I am uh, shaking every one of their hands and thanking them for delivering their best. This is the way that I have really tried to, to lead my crew and inspire them. I remember when I was young, I had so many, when I was working at the ladder, I had DPs that never thanked me. So many jobs, I can't count them on 50 hands of people that just never came up and said good job or great day or anything. I think if you take that time, it's something that gains tons of respect with your peers and with the elders that are much older than you. It makes for a great set. So let's just go and recap this. We're keep it light on the set. Have fun, but at the same time, exacting right? Uh, I I love to have fun, but boy, we're here. uh, We got a serious job. Stay on schedule, create great art, and uh, keep things moving. The other thing is know everyone's name. It's very important to know each one's name. To thank people when they do something really great, thank that individual loud enough for other people to hear. Thank the crew in the uh, before lunch and thank them at the end of the day, shaking their hand, looking into their eyes, and trying to introduce any of the new people that might 
point beyond to the director. So they feel like, wow, this guy called me out and brought me over and introduced you to the director and try to keep it as light and airy and efficient as you possibly can. I love these questions. This is the core of being a director of photography. And the experience I've had, these are the kind of questions that really spark stuff that's not just about tech and uh, execution, but actually stuff that's going to really take you from wherever you are and raise you way ahead of everyone else by doing these simple things. I hope this helps you. Let's move on to the next question. Hi, Shane. I have a question about the attitudes of crew in the film industry. I recently got my first camera trainee job on a BBC children's TV comedy, and I've been so excited to be there and loved everything about it. However, I've been massively surprised to see how many members of the crew don't like their job. I've had so many comments about how they remember when they were young and giddy like me and how I'll soon become cynical and heard so many people talk about how they can't wait to get out of work and how depressed they are to be here. I was so shocked to see people act like this when we're working in a job that so many people work so hard to break into. I myself worked on unpaid micro-budget films for nearly three years until I got this job. I guess I'm just wondering if this is just normal human nature nature to work? Or is it possibly because it's only a children's drama and not much creativity or exciting scenes? As I just can't imagine the crews on massive exciting feature films being the same. But maybe I'm wrong. Thanks. These podcasts and the inner circle as a whole have taught me such a ridiculous amount over the last year and improved my own cinematography and general understanding of the film industry so much. Thank you very much for your support and the the wonderful kind words. This is proof in point that what the inner circle's power and its amazing community delivers to our members. I thank my incredible team that I have around me that delivers absolute excellence every single day, as well as this incredible community that is bonded together and really shares so personally and so willingly and so caringly, if that's even a word. Here we go with this question. This is a great question. I've worked in the movie business for over 25 years. It's a fascinating industry where I did exactly what you did. I worked on all these low-budget features, trying to make my way up the ladder and to just break into this business. I started at a rental house and I was doing everything possible. I'll learn how to set grip stands. I'll make four-by-four flags. I'll I'll pack grip trucks. I'll do whatever it takes to, uh, to make it in this business. You know, I started absolutely at the bottom. Starting at the bottom gives you a sense of humbleness. If you enter at a higher level, I think you don't respect the crew as much because you cannot identify with what it takes every day to be able to do their job. I remember my first movie that I worked on in Los Angeles. It was called Phantasm 2. This summer, the ball is back. It was this horror film that we had this silver ball that had forks in it that flew out and stabbed into people's heads and then drilled their brains out. It was all centered around a a mortician and a mortuary, and the mortician was from Mars. Trust me, it's good. I would 
get there an hour early to unpack the truck before the the crew ever got there. And I was packing up the truck at least an hour after everyone left. And then I would drive to the next location to be able to dump the truck or drive it in front of my house apartment at the time, let's say. And that's where I would park it. Or I would park it in some secure parking lot. And then I'd have to drive home from there. Most of the time I was averaging 18 to 21 hours a day with three to four hours of sleep in between. This is what you do to get started in this business. It doesn't change. Anything that you're trying to do to buck that system and try to do it another way is only going to end in failure. It just is. You got to pay your dues. And every time everyone says, oh, just because I'm talented, I'm an artist. Well, I'm sorry. Let's rewind. You got to pay your dues. I had the talent to be a director of photography, but that was not going to stop me from starting at the bottom. And that only built and shaped me into the director of photography that I am now. Learning from mentors all the way up the ladder gave me the experience and the confidence to just be able to jump from a gaffer to a cinematographer and just never stop rising. These things are not done by trying to buck the system and enter at higher levels and just start ordering people around. Back to the attitudes within this business. Working those long hours and putting in all that time. I mean, you gain a respect when you work, just like you're doing as this camera trainee. You worked on all these micro budgets, you busted into this business, and you look around and you finally have gotten here and everyone has got a bad attitude. Yep, that is pretty prevalent within the movie business. Even on $200 million movies like Terminator Salvation, where I looked around and I thought this was the coolest job and what we were doing, every job I look as a cool job. It doesn't matter whether I'm shooting Jimmy Dean's Sausage Links or shooting Amanda Seyfried's close-up in a bar where she looks so stunningly beautiful and so damaged at the same time. It just doesn't matter. And that's always been my attitude since I ever started out because this business is amazing. Director of photography is by far one of the best jobs on the planet. Your ability to take somebody as cynical as that, I don't understand it. Even at a technician level, I had such a positive attitude. I loved going to work every single day. I was like, wake up and immediately run to work. This is my attitude. But that is an attitude that means you're going to aspire, that you're going to ascend. The cynicals, they treat it as a nine to five job. They come in, they do their work, they go home. And this business is so not nine to five. We get catered with food. We get served craft service. We have drinks on the ready. They take care of us. They respect ours. They respect a good pay. They have amazing conditions that everyone is under. How is that a nine to five job? How is this Joe Lunchbucket going to work at an office where he has to bring his own lunch, cook it in a microwave, grab a 15 minute break here and there for a water cooler stint, and then go back into a cubicle and complete his day? The movie industry is nothing like that. To be cynical, to be tired, 
weird and to be miserable, I just don't get it. But this is the difference between ascending and complacent. So many people just love to stay in the job that they do and it's comfortable for them, and they know when they wake up, they're going to be doing the same job each day. They go home, and they come back in, and they have that same job. I'm on the understanding in my mind that I want to challenge myself every day and put myself in a very difficult and uncomfortable place so I can really expand my knowledge and expand the scope of how I do things and learn new ways to do everything. And that is the difference. But there is a diamond in the rough with these cynical members of the movie industry. And that diamond in the rough is getting underneath their skin in a way that you're fresh and alive. Ask them how to do stuff and ask them little questions here and there that spark their interest and learn and let them tell their stories because they're all great storytellers. No matter how cynical they are, they have great stories. And you take those stories and there's always a bit of a pearl of wisdom that you can take away. And it's also a way to just a great conversation and uh, camaraderie. So many times I was taken under their wings of like a, an older seasoned veteran and I'm in there just like as this young whippersnapper trying to do whatever I could. I remember my first job as a grip PA. I didn't even know they had grip PAs, but that's what I got. I got this on a movie called Lemon Sky. It was my first real production I had ever worked on in Boston. And Kevin Bacon and Kira Sedgwick were the stars of this project. And I was a grip PA. And it was really funny because I had this very seasoned key grip who treated me pretty poorly a lot of the times because I really didn't know anything and he didn't have time. But slowly I got underneath his wing and he kind of started to show me and teach me a lot of things. It took some time to break the wall down, but once I did, it was uh, it was pretty special and I learned a ton. Yes, the cynical nature happens on every movie set, no matter how low budget, no matter how boring the material might be and uncreative or how incredibly creative and incredibly exciting it might be. But you have ascension, you have inspiration, and you just go in there and have the greatest attitude possible and just want to learn as much as you can. Try to befriend these people. Christ, I'd get them water. I'd get more stuff at the, the craft service table and I'd bring it over and I'd have a an extra thing of peanuts and a bowl and I'd just say, hey, did you you want any peanuts or you want you want uh, some cucumbers or hey, you want some candy? Whatever it was I was going there to get, I'd get two bowls of it and pass it around with those people. All of a sudden they're like, ah, that little kid, man, he's, he's got something going on there. And then they start to let you into their cynical lair. The cynical lair is sometimes a really cool place to be because the stories that come out of it, oh yeah, remember 
remember when we were working with that, uh, you know, you get these, <laughs> they'll tell you actor horror stories. They'll tell you director horror stories. There's always great war stories these guys and, and girls will, will get into and tell you. So just keep on doing your best and uh, staying on your game and have a huge smile on your face and just fired up to be there. And you're going to move up that ladder very quickly. Great questions, everyone. Next question. Hi, Shane. I've been bumming around the film industry and TV industry in Australia off and on for 20 years. I've done corporate videos, low-end TVCs, short films, and other projects in different capacities. I've never been able to quite go full-on in the industry. Part is the size of the industry. A lot of it's me and my family commitments, and I don't want to make excuses. Anyway, I want to make a huge commitment and go in there guns blazing and make my own indie feature and see what happens and hopefully make a full-time career and lifestyle. But in the back of my mind, I think, can I continue to get up at all crazy hours, spend 14, 18 hours, whatever hour a day for weeks on end or months at a time to get the film in the can? Is motivation always a problem in the industry? It's a tough industry fact. Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, man, I wish I could stay home today? Or are you so passionate and motivated you can't wait to jump out of bed and go make a movie today? Do most high-end filmmakers feel this way? Or I'm just kidding myself and I need to move on to a different career, but I always come back to the film. What's the secret to staying motivated? Thanks, Gene. Gene from Australia. I had a great time when I was in Sydney about a year and a half ago. Loved, loved that country. I cannot wait to get back. I'm trying to somehow arrange for me to get down there and do a portion of the IE tour. And as well as Europe, we're trying to make it happen within my crazy ass schedule. But we'll see. We'll see how it all lands out. Here's the thing. If you love it and you always go back to film, no matter what other directions you've tried, then obviously this is what you want to do. But it doesn't require you to invest in making your own short film or long format or whatever you're doing just to be in this business. I think there are other ways to go about getting the creativity and the spark that you're looking for. You can try to go about it different ways where you don't have to commit money and all this time and energy and away from your family that I think scares you a little bit. And it would scare me too. I mean, I'm doing a movie in Los Angeles. I haven't done a movie in Los Angeles in, since 2007. So it's been seven years, almost eight years, that I have been in Los Angeles on a movie where I could be every day I wake up, I can say good morning to my beautiful children and my incredibly lovely and stunning wife. That is a huge benefit, and uh, I cannot wait for this experience to start happening on Tuesday. Family is very important. Loving and, and kind relationship with your wife is huge, and uh, taking the time and understanding of what it's going to take to keep that alive and to really emotionally be connected 
to your wife and your children so they feel like you're there, even though sometimes you're just working so many long hours that you're not. I tend to try and text. Like if I wake up and I'm on the job and say I'm not home or or I am home, but I'm waking up at four in the morning to go to location. When I get to location, the first thing I do is I text all of my family members and just tell them how much I love them. And this is going to be a great day. I hope yours is too. And it's like that smile on their face that they get, you know, my dad's, you know, in it. He's working on this job, but he takes the time to text me and to write me a little special note that means so much to me. And this is huge. I try to do it as much as I can, even uh, in the middle of the day when I'm at lunch. So many times it's very difficult to call because the minute I get on the phone, I have a producer come over and they're going, hey, uh, Shane, can we talk about the rest of the day? Or I have the gaffer coming over. Hey, can we talk about those lighting plots for tomorrow? It's so difficult. And I find that texting, I can still have these conversations with production and the gaffer who whoever it tends to be, and still at least get a great message out that's timely and that uh, just shows that you took the time to care. Doubling back, sorry, that's uh, kind of off question, but just trying to give you little pearls of wisdom of things that continue to keep your relationship in a very healthy and prospering way so you're not disconnected from your children as well doing these 14, 18-hour days. Motivation. Do I wake up in the morning ever and say, God, I don't want to go into work today. Of course, there's those days that you work on jobs that the director's not very nice or the job is just not the greatest. You thought it was going to be amazing and it's just a real downer. Do I have a lot of those? No. You know, I probably have maybe one to five days a year. 360 days, I am, I jump out of bed with a spring in my step and I am ready to rumble. And how do I have that? How do I keep that? Well, everything has to feel like you're doing everything the first time. And I'm constantly challenging myself. And like I talk about this many, many times is taking yourself out of your comfort zone. Well, I do that on a daily basis. And that's what challenges me and it keeps me very sharp. It keeps me with a very positive attitude and a humble attitude as well. Because when you get comfortable, you get cocky. You don't know everything if you're constantly challenging yourself. And that's what really is going to create a very long career is where you're always trying to do something different and find out new ways to light and find new ways to lens. Come about it in ways that are really unique and different. And I think that that inspires this attitude that I say, every day I wake up, I feel like I'm a five-year-old. Because when you're a five-year-old, everything is bigger and everything is better. The light is might be white, but to your eyes, it's golden. Everything is new. It's fresh. It's alive. And that's how I try to treat every day I go to work. It's a new day. It's I've never done this before. When you're an educator as well, you tend to really push the boundaries. Let's go back to this whiz as an example on this job. Well, the whole camera crew had never worked with Red Dragons. We're in New York. Again, Alexa rules everywhere in the world. So I'm there with my red dragons and, you know, we're firing them up and they don't know how to do the different settings and they don't understand how to put the right color space and they don't know how to black shade. And this is my first AC and my dit. They don't know how to do these things. Let's 
get on Google and find black shading for dummies and just take them through it. I did not want to do it because if I just went in there and did it, they're never going to learn. They had to find the process. And luckily we had a good hour and a half before we had to shoot and they had the time to figure everything out, get all of it in the right place and deliver the right imagery and the right signal to my monitor and the right signal to the card and all the things that were correct. This is so much about being a, a trailblazer as at the same time as taking you out of the comfort zone. It's like every day is fresh. If you know it, you also can help spread this uncomfortableness to others, which I also do on a daily basis. <laughs> because every time I walk on set, I always have some new piece of gear or some new way of doing things that everyone like feels like an alien ship just landed on the stage floor or uh, the location that we're in. It's very fun. And that's what keeps me young inside going on 52 now. And like I said, I'm, I'm a five-year-old and keeping that kind of attitude is very infectious. When you're on set and you set up a shot and the director says, okay, so what are we going to do here? I don't say, I'm going to put a little light here and a little light there. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring in this 18K that's going to put these platinum shafts of light that just blast into this room and it's going to explode off the floor. And then that when she comes around the corner, she's going to have this under light that makes her kind of glow. And in the background, I'm going to blow out that window so she has this ethereal quality to her head. That is the way you describe stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just say, oh yeah, I got it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be good. I really get into what I do. I love what I do. I love how to describe light. I love how to lens light. I love to tell stories and emotional stories that really connect with the audience. These are the kind of things that you can do to keep your motivation and keep you sharp. If you've done other careers and you keep on going back to the film industry, then the film industry is where you should be. You just got to hunker down, believe in yourself, and go for it. You can't just sit on the sidelines. Uh, you're going to sit on the sidelines. You're going to dabble, dabble, dabble. And all of a sudden, you're going to turn back and look at yourself at 65 years old. And you're saying, why didn't I make that jump? Your family is going to understand any family that sees how excited and how alive you are when you're doing something that you love, that deep respect that they have and caring nature that they're going to have towards you, they're going to just let you do it because you're going to be so different at home. If you're stumbling around everything that you don't want to do, the odds are at home, you're not going to be the most vibrant, the most inspiring, and the most fun person to be around because you're not doing what you love. I could not imagine that, doing something that I didn't love. It motivates me. It, it drives me. It inspires me to continue to do my very best. I look back at my career and where I made so many mistakes. I mean, as a, as a gaffer, key grip, you know, like I jumped up the ladder very quickly. And with that jumping up the ladder, I didn't learn a lot of the essential tools of leadership and respect as much as I should have. A lot of my crew members had difficult times working with me because I was young and didn't respect them. And only looking back can you say, my God, I made so many mistakes. This was really funny because I was 
in a production meeting on this new movie and the head of production of New Line was sitting right across from me and she had done semi-pro with me. And after the whole eight-hour production meeting, she turned to me and she goes, you are so different. And I go, well, thank you. Yeah, I think I've finally grown up and, and understand who I am and what I'm about. And she goes, I cannot wait to do this movie with you. Your inspiration, your attitude, everything about it is completely changed. That really grabbed my heart. I was like, wow, this business is so crazy. Sometimes you just kind of look at it and say how far you've come and how many people you've been with. And to hear those couple sentences really made my year. It made me realize that I am growing, that I am changing, and that I am being a better leader and a better cinematographer and a better inspiration to filmmakers all over the world. So many of you have helped this transformation for me. I cannot thank you enough for helping me be a better leader, a better mentor, and a better it goes full circle with this within the inner circle. It's been really, really rewarding for all of you and how much you've shared and how much you've helped me. I, in turn, try to help all of you. Well, that is going to conclude this podcast. There were many more questions to be answered, but I feel that industry attitudes is a great, great thing to talk about. And it's something that we have not talked about at all in the 13 or 14 podcasts podcast that we've done. So I just really wanted this to be a special one to just talk about the things that are not so tech and not always about light and lens and really go into the business and how to really set yourself apart and how to work with people and how to become a better leader. What I wanted to say in closing is this. In all the questions that we answered today, the underlying message is treating people with respect, just treating how you would like to be treated as well. Inspiring people, acknowledging that they exist and that they have something uh, incredible to give and to help your vision. Keeping amazing positive attitude, being so passionate and inspiring, going in like every day is a new day and really treating yourself as a five-year-old. Just that wonderment and excitement like you're doing it all for the first time. But obviously, I have 25 years of experience and I have that five-year-old excitement and wow, we're going to do all these new things, but I'm able to take those new things and do it very efficiently and very fast and use the, the experience that I've gained to be able to keep us all on schedule and delivering the mood, tone, and emotion that the director and the story request of me. That concludes our October podcast. Thank you so much for all listening in. And remember, do not forget to submit these questions so we can continue to bring you this amazing community and sharing of knowledge and experience. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. What helps you become a better filmmaker? Knowledge, practice, consistency. That's exactly what happens in our loving film community of shanesinnercircle.com. Knowledge you can trust, people that care. If you want your questions answered, join us at shanesinnercircle.com. Hi, I'm Shane Hurlbut, and I'm an ASC cinematographer. And thanks for joining us for another episode of the Filmmakers Academy podcast. 
take advantage of monthly virtual group mentorships, networking events, and new content released weekly by becoming a member today. Join today and get $20 off your first month by using the promo code FAPOD20. That is F-A-P-O-D-20. And join the number one resource for cinematographers, film crews, and do-it-all filmmakers.